0: Yes, I did two years on an MA tax team and I kid you not, nine times out of ten it was a sales tax issue because we worked on small software companies and routinely like it could break the deal, but I mean we were seeing million dollar purchase price adjustments just to accrue for the liability and kind of the non-compliance aspect of it. So 100 percent if you're looking for some type of exit or change and you haven't sat back and looked at your products, do that or hire somebody to do that just so you can get a sense of like, where am I in this whole lineup? Like, am I really under all the thresholds and I don't sell like taxable products? Or am I growing very rapidly and this is going to be an issue for me in the near future? That was Rachel Harding, the Global Tax Director at Fastspring, talking about how tax noncompliance can unravel an acquisition or result in million dollar price adjustments. Another time tax noncompliance can cause major issues when you're preparing an IPO. That stuff will get picked up 100% on a diligence, so you want to clean it up now. I'm EJ Brown, Senior Content Strategist at FastSpring. We help SaaS and software companies scale around the world, and you're listening to the Growth Stage Podcast, where we share stories from global SaaS leaders that you can use to inspire new growth strategies in your own business.
1: Hey, Rachel, thanks for joining me today. Please introduce yourself.
0: Hi, of course, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Rachel Harding. I'm the Global Tax Director here at FastSpring. I've been here for almost two years. A little bit of background. I have about 10, 11 years of tax experience. Spent my first five, six years in public accounting, kind of learning the ropes of taxation. Two years in M&A before transitioning into industry. Worked at a Crypto company before joining FastSpring.
1: So we're going to talk about taxes today, which is one of those topics that people maybe don't talk about all the time. But you and I have had several conversations about this, and they've been fascinating to me. So I hope that you will you will you will be um, patient with me as I learn the ropes, and hopefully, like we can help uh, give some people some information that that'll help them with their SaaS businesses or their software businesses as well. There's all these things that I didn't know. before we start right. talking. So here's question number 1, which is let let's say I have a SaaS company and I can be based anywhere in the world like give give me an introduction, right? How how should I start to think about taxes in general? What taxes do I need to be collecting and then remitting and like what am I responsible for?
0: So I think kind of the highlight the biggest highlight we want to kind of the messaging to get across for SaaS companies is It's going to be your transaction taxes. Um, They're excise taxes. What they are called is, in the U.S., it's really called sales tax. And then internationally, they go by many names, but it's VAT, value-added tax. There's GST, um, consumption tax. At the end of the day, they all really mean the same thing. It's a tax on the consumer. Um, The thing for companies, for small SaaS companies, um, it's the seller's obligation, which means is that they're on the hook for making sure they're rolling it out correctly and being compliant. Although it is a tax on the customer, it's the seller's responsibility. So
1: so if I have a SaaS company and somebody buys my product, I'm responsible for collecting and remitting the taxes, even though it's a tax on them Correct. because it's taxing their purchase. That's, that's right, so right? It, yeah. <laughs> okay. if, you, if
0: you do it right, technically it's a net zero to you. Because you're collecting the tax and then you're sending it to the government. It's where you're doing it wrong that it becomes kind of this huge expense. It can become a liability on your books because two years later, you're not going to go assess a customer sales tax. So all of that then becomes out of pocket.
1: Like, how do I know what I'm responsible for? Like, what's the transaction percentage? Like, who do I owe that money to? How's that calculated?
0: Good question. So there are thousands of taxing jurisdictions across the world. We'll kind of break it down and we'll break it down into two groups. You have the U.S. and then you have international. U.S. is a little bit kind of specific because it's not a—it's not up to the federal government. It's up, They leave it to the states. And there's 45 states that have a sales tax regime. So every state's going to have their own laws, numbers, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. What you really want to look at we can slice it down into activity, into your sales. There's usually some type of threshold. Countries more and more are dropping the threshold and they're saying every sale into this country is taxable, but you wanna look at taxability and then how much how many sales you have going into a country. Now, what that means is where your end user is located. Most countries will require two types of corroborating evidence to basically assert somebody is located here. In a business sense, that really means you use the billing address, the IP address. If you can flex those, great. That's generally what most businesses do.
1: So it's the location of the buyer, not my location?
0: Yeah. Where taxation occurs is where the benefit is consumed. That's kind of the the taxable jargon. What that means is where that item is gonna be used most of the time you know you buy software you're gonna use it at your home or at your office and that's tied to your address your your billing address your IP address
1: interesting that's something I did not know before let me make sure I understand that <laughs> so so if I go to the store like the to the supermarket and I buy just a piece of clothing or, or something that's that's taxable most like most food items are not taxable but say I pick something that would be taxable I'm gonna pay yeah. that sales tax there and the sales tax is It's based on that jurisdiction where that business is located, right? Correct. But that's different than software because in software, like you're buying off a website, which doesn't really technically like the business itself might be located somewhere. But the consumption of the product is in all these different locations, potentially all over the world, right?
0: Sure, sure. Now, there are some... And you're totally right. Um, Physical products are usually going to go, you look to the ship to address. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're buying a physical product, you go online and there's usually two different places you put in an address. You have your ship to, and then it says, is your billing the same as your ship to? Physical products are going to be connected to your ship to address. Whereas if you translated that to a software sense, it's going to be your bill to address because there is no ship to address. That's just kind of the way it goes. I remember way back when Amazon, uh, this is like back in college, I came from Oregon. I went to a school in California. So all of my credit card information was still tied to Oregon. Oregon doesn't have sales tax. So I figured out I could buy all these things on Amazon without getting sales tax assessed because they were using billing information. Sophomore, junior year, all of a sudden, sales tax is being charged. I'm like, ugh, Amazon figured out. Hey, if this is a tangible good, we need to be taxing to the ship to address.
1: Very interesting. So with software, then the the corroborating evidence, the way they figure out where that benefit is being consumed, is IP and billing address, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to look at what the data you have on file. Realistically, you know, you can't source every single person to where they're specifically using it Mm -hmm. so you have to kind of work with the data you have available but two readily available pieces are um, the billing and the ip address
1: so you talked a little bit about the different kinds of of taxes these are all we're talking about all sales related taxes right like that's that's what we're talking about yep is there anything in addition to that
0: well, there are so many types of taxes that I won't <laughs> bore you. Um, but the reason it's at the buyer level is because it's a sales tax. Um, if you look at the seller level, those are going to be things like your income tax, your property tax. The tax speaks to who and what gets taxed, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. and But none of those are – I don't have to worry about any of those from, a, from when we're talking about the transactions happening on my SaaS website, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. There are other things like you know invoicing requirements. As we might discuss later, there are kind of countries are rolling out e-invoicing, which is basically you have just done a real-time snip of the data on the transaction, not just like a PDF of the invoice. There are other things like that, but when it comes to the concern and kind of the calculation of taxes, that's really what you're looking at.
1: Now, you talk to these taxing authorities all the time. Like I know you do because I, I've heard you in meetings. My best <laughs> I've heard you in meetings talk about <laughs> interactions you've had with them. Like, tell yeah. me, tell me some stories. Like, first of all, so why? What about your role here at fastbring sort of brings you into contact with all these these sort of taxing authorities from all over the world? And what do they they like to deal with?
0: Yeah, and this I can say is kind of, it's one of my favorite parts of the job, actually, when you you get to interface with them, because at the end of the day, they're they're just real people doing their job. But I do put on my kind of professional tax hat. We are getting, because we are function as the merchant of record, we file in over 50 countries, 45 states.
1: We should explain that, right? So for anybody who doesn't understand, like, Rachel, you and I both work for FastBring. Part of what we do is we sell software on behalf of the companies that we work with, therefore we become the people who collect and remit those sales taxes, which means (laughs) you end up talking to all of these different sales and tax authorities.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, I like to call us uh, a reseller or or a marketplace facilitator, you know, like your Amazon for e-commerce kind of digital goods. So because our name is out there and on all the filings, the payments, um, we tend to get picked up in any kind of communication. So we actually have a separate inbox for all the kind of spam from different jurisdictions um, that you kind of have to constantly monitor. Uh, but I will say there's probably nine, only 10% are going to be actionable items. So they send a lot of phishing emails that are kind of, they're meant to be scary to kind of get you questioning things. But to a tax person, I see that all the time. This is a non-tax person would look at that and they've I've seen some like, whoa, is that a threat, are they threatening me? like <laughs> so you kind of gotta know what they're driving at um, and then the other ones are just you know inquiries where they're sometimes they just wanna see some data, maybe you know you underpaid and it's interest and penalties um sometimes things get missed, it's a misfiling, or you get selected for an audit, and those are the ones that you have to constantly be watching for because you want to make sure you have a timely response and you're making sure you're doing all things correctly on your end. It goes a long way with the auditors. Um, so I respond, you know, with not that week. I try to do it within three days once I get those inquiries. I've seen everything from, you know, a seasoned agent that he's burnt out, and he's ready to quit, and he's just like, blah, blah, blah. To <laughs> Who was it? The city of Chicago, this guy was like, fresh out of school and was just ready to rock. He sent me twenty pages of questions. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But it's kind of part of the game is going through and you want to make sure one that you know you've done your due diligence and you understand their rules and that you've looked at your business, how it applies, and then made a call, Mm -hmm. documented it, all your ducks Mm are in a row. That's kind of that's really what they want to see. For lack of a better word, I'll say you don't want to get caught with your pants down. They tend to come down hard on that because it shows that you didn't know what was going on, and you don't care
1: right
0: so it's more of like a it's more of like a dance. It's not just a like here, here's all our information. You kind of paint the story because at the end of the day you're business and you're in the business of doing everything but taxes. That's just a side function, and they are realistic but you need to know like when to push, when to back off.
1: Yeah. And these are all things that, that you do all the time. They're gonna be talking to me, right? If I'm a SaaS owner and I'm trying to do this on my own.
0: They will come well, somebody in your business. So like if it's a state, the states have really not migrated into email. I know. I know. I still fax <laughs> things all the time. Um you will get you will get like a piece of paper in the mail. So you know, make sure you're using valid addresses. Most international countries do go through email. I was on an email. It was, it was Mexico. They, instead of like BCCing everybody and you didn't see all the email addresses, they sent it out with everybody CC'd. So I literally saw every company that was registered for tax, like Amazon paddle. I was like, oh, like <laughs> somebody That's messed funny. up.
1: Are there countries? So, so you're talking to cities, states, and countries like the, the authorities in all these different places yep. that have that have different types of sales tax or excise tax. Are there any that are known to be extra proactive about enforcement?
0: Yeah, so it, this is kind of what I think is um, where the value add in kind of your merchant or record model is. Um, you get the best of both worlds. You get somebody that understands the tax laws, but also I'm the first person to say, hey, don't register there unless you know it's truly a requirement and you've done a cost-benefit analysis. Your advisors are really gonna—they're gonna say you have to file everywhere and do everything perfect, and because they're your advisors, um, it's kind of the approach that you take as an in-house person to push back. Like I push back on them all the time and kind of consider what they have to say, but is it realistic? What I spend most of my time, I talk to them, you know, at least every other week, most of my time is not the intricacies of understanding the tax, but it's really seeing what's out there. Like, they have other clients and they have, you know, firms around the world. Um, And it's really like, what are you seeing? Kind of what I'm seeing. And it's that exchange of information that really helps us pinpoint on where the risk is. For example, Saudi Arabia was going around checking websites um, to make sure that people who were tax collectors were posting it on their website with their number, so of course, you know, make sure and go check that out u a e for a while was really hitting companies, so it was we had already filed and registered there, but they were seeing hits all across the board there are I kind of use my judgment, but every once in a while, I go running to product once i I kind of, all right, I've, I'm seeing what's in the marketplace and I'm looking at where there are small holes kind of in our business or where our weak points are. And that's when I go running to product and I'm like, we have an issue, we have an issue um, <laughs> that we need to fix. I mean, we fixed all of our kind of information reporting last year and that was purely based on what we were seeing in the industry. Several large companies were at within a month or two of each other went under audit um, and that's I know that just from kind of our networks um, So it's probably one of the most important parts of the business is seeing what's out there like who's going after what because you can pass a law all day uh, but if you're not going to enforce it, you're not going to get many people to comply
1: right so so let's talk about that for a second because when you say fix I think I think what you mean is this stuff is changing all the time. Right. And so part of your job is to stay ahead of it and to make sure that we're prepared for whatever the next thing coming in this world is. And so there's the laws and then there's like this huge area in the middle, which is regulation and enforcement. This is something we were going to talk about later, but let's talk about it now, which is like how what is changing? Like when when things change, how do they change? Um, What are some things that you've seen change in that whole world of regulation and enforcement over the last, say, five years?
0: So you have to kind of look and like break it down into who does what. So in the U.S., right, there's 50 states, 45 have sales tax regimes. Everybody taxes differently. You have about 20 that tax SaaS and about 35 that tax your downloadable software. Why that is is because historically services are... Not taxed as software as a service, kind of, you know, they update their laws. More and more states start to tax that. At one time it was 15, right? Now there's 20. Eventually we will see probably all states taxing it, but they just have to kind of catch up with the law and make updates. You have states like California who They're super chill because all the tech companies are based here. Mm -hmm. They don't charge sales tax in the software world. You have to have a physical component to your product to get sales tax charged Mm. because, you know, all the companies are here. They also are notorious for they are really great at automating. So they will send out notices, uh, but they're they're all automated. So it's kind of either like there's some little fix you have to do. They don't send scary ones. The flip side of that, you have places like Texas, who they're one of the um, states that don't have an income tax, so their source of revenue is sales tax, so they're mm-hmm. going to be a lot more aggressive. Um, they send out scary notices like, have you done your prepayments correctly? Like, if you are off by a dollar, you know, interest and penalty is, are charged, compounded daily, blah, blah, blah. Texas is like on the other end of the spectrum. Texas, Washington tend to be um, pretty intense just because they don't have an income tax. That's what right. they go after. In terms of like movement in what's taxable, Texas is now basically financial services. Never, You don't have to charge sales tax on financial services. They are starting to now say credit card processing is actually data processing, not financial services. Data processing is taxable, so each step kind of pushes something a little bit further to eventually everybody's going to ultimately probably be collecting tax on most things.
1: Interesting. So, so to bring it back up, so th- this is just a hint of what I know you're dealing with all the time, right? Like all these things are changing constantly. What does that mean for the SaaS business owner? What does that mean for me as somebody who's trying to just run a business?
0: I think it's like we're going to be the best provider for you for the whole term of your business. Like, no, we're going to be really good for when you're small and you need to focus on your business until you have enough resources to kind of bring this in-house. You you need somebody with the expertise that is looking out and monitoring it so that you're free to do other things. Our, like, niche is almost, you know, taking you from, like, a middle schooler Throughout college, then you're an adult, and you you now bring it all in house. Um, And ultimately, my hope is you bring it in house, and you're like, "Whoa, this is super complex." Like, I'm (laughs) so glad we had a provider do this, Um, because one, it is constantly changing, but there are things that take a while. So, all this, um, all the e kind of invoicing mandates, it takes years to get a whole like globe compliant. Um, and they focus on different industries. They roll it out here. At um, the first, they roll it out domestically to you know all the domestic corporations. Then they roll it out to the EU. It takes time, and you just have to know where to position yourself in that lineup to make sure you're not that unlucky one yeah. that gets the short straw.
1: So, can I do this myself? Do I need to outsource it? Like, so I understand now that like if I'm based in the U.S., I might have to collect and remit. VAT tax to European tax authorities, right? Yes. If I'm in Germany, I might have to collect and remit taxes to U.S. taxing authorities all over the U.S., right? Because I've got customers there. That feels a little daunting to me. So um, totally. what are the different ways that SaaS businesses do this? Like how do they even manage this particular process?
0: Yeah, Um, The two ways to kind of go about doing this, um, one is to know your business footprint. Know kind of where you have sales, who you're selling to, what you're selling. Um, Know all of those trends. Second one is like, what's your risk appetite? I know companies who have said, eh, taxes will come later and they go full speed ahead in something else. That's their choice.
1: Let me stop you there. They say taxes will come later. What, What do you mean? What are they saying?
0: Well, the, they're basically saying that in the in the near term, like this year, they don't have the resources to do taxes. They'll pick it up next year.
1: Interesting. So they're saying that maybe I should be collecting taxes, but I'm not going to? Like, I'm just going to ignore yeah.
0: it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a resource issue. Like, then they come back, you know, we've highlighted where they have issues. This client, I think, went into a VDA, which is voluntary disclosure, where you come forth and you say... Hey, I realize I haven't been compliant. I will file six years back of taxes up front, but you're gonna waive kind of all the interest and penalties for me. Mm. That's the process that you proactively enter in with the states, but let's break it down. Let's start with the u s business like okay. selling abroad you're expanding um, in the u s it's going to be the same for anybody and each state has a different threshold. The thresholds run from a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand
1: that means the amount of revenue that I've collected from a particular state. Like I've got customers, I've made $100,000 of sales in in a state or whatever the threshold is. Yep. Okay.
0: Now that, all of a sudden, you have economic nexus. Economic nexus came from, it was a super important court case, 2018, Wayfair versus IRS, or South Dakota. Okay. They basically said, no longer do you need to have a physical presence in a state to collect sales tax, which was a game changer, right? Because before, if I was selling into a state, I had to have either an office or an employee there to collect sales tax. They said no longer, you now have Nexus just by pure sales. So the thresholds range 100,000, 500,000, mostly taxable sales. You look at your 12-month sales to see where you have the biggest. I use $100,000 as a threshold. If you're nowhere near that, you're totally fine. If you know you have five hundred thousand a million in multiple states, you do want to stop and take a closer look. That's if you're in the U.S. or um, abroad.
1: But you're selling into the U.S., right? That's that's Mm -hmm. you're. We're really looking at where your sales are being done. What what happens if I did five hundred grand in a state that has a tax in Texas, for example? Texas. um, But I don't collect and remit those taxes. What happens? Like, what's the risk?
0: yeah so and this is this is kind of the game i play all day because i don't I, if i had a magic crystal ball I'd look at it and be like you're gonna get caught you're gonna get caught it, it kind of it depends on your risk level like if you're a company that is looking to get acquired or have a majority investment go public that stuff will get picked up 100 percent on a diligence so you want to clean it up now if you're a company that like you're willing to take on a little more risk to put resources in other parts of the business. That's up to you. What You, you got to look at the risk level, though. And there are ways to really kind of, I'll say, keep that risk as small as possible. And that, that's kind of what I do every day. You need to look at things like, yeah, enforcement, taxability of the products, ease of use, like some states require you or some countries require you to have a local representative there that you have to pay every year so your cost just went up tenfold there's a lot of elements to look at more than just oh hey we crossed the sales threshold
1: what happens is is texas going to come after me are they going to find out that i didn't collect sales tax and come find me
0: they could and I will be transparent. We are under audit with Texas actually right now. They have come uh, knocking on our door and asking for all of our information. Watch out for Texas, like <laughs> Texas, um, Washington, the states without sales tax or okay. without income taxes where. Well. Um, so we have been collecting Texas sales tax, so because we're a little bit bigger than, you know, kind of our target market, they're actually looking at very detailed rates. What tax rates are we charging? Right. Um, did we get the right classifications? It's a little more nuanced. But yes, they very much could come after you for that.
1: And they'll do that no matter where you are in the world.
0: Yeah. One other incentive the, to filing is, I don't know if you've heard of the statute of limitations. This is kind of like governments will have period of time. IRS uses three years. Most states are four based when you filed to come audit it. So right now they're in, what, 2018? So something you filed in 2018 is still kind of an open statute, and the the government can still reach out and say, hey, we're auditing this. Once the period closes, they can no longer look back. Okay. If you've never filed, the, period, the statute never starts, meaning they have unlimited look back, so they could go back, you know, till the beginning of time.
1: Interesting. I only get that statute if I filed.
0: Yeah. So you walk the line between sometimes, you know, filing is in your benefit because you start the statute. Now, you don't want to file wrong cuz then you can look at negligence penalties, hmm. but there are cases where you just want to get it the statute started to know that those years are kind of closed.
1: Interesting. So, yeah. what what about what about internationally? So that's that's the US. So 100k <laughs> to 500k. That changed in 2018. What about outside the U.S.?
0: Yeah, so outside the U.S., the rules actually there changed very um, recently. There is no longer, in EU specifically, there is no thresholds for selling into the EU. If you live in the EU, I think it's the 10,000 euro threshold combined. But if you are U.S., U.K. selling into the EU, there's no sales thresholds. Every taxable dollar is technically... You know, subject to that taxable, meaning your B2B sales Hmm. or sorry, backwards, your uh, B2C sales, because B2B sales are going to you are able to leverage the reverse charge 0% rate in all EU countries. Now, as you start to expand outside of the EU, you will start to see thresholds. You look at your taxable sales, but some countries tax both B2B and B2C. Examples of like, I wrote down a bunch of countries. So just in 2020, these Malaysia, Singapore, Mexico, Chile, Indonesia, they all passed rules centered on the taxation of digital goods and services by non-residents, meaning you don't live in that country. So we actually registered and started collecting in all of those countries in line with the new guidance rollout. Um, There's anywhere from like six to ten a year. I'm constantly monitoring and looking at those factors. Like, do we qualify? Like, what's their process? India rolled out this new tax, but they didn't think about how are we going to pay? I mean, we're still trying to figure out how to remit some taxes in India because they didn't think through that process. Like, mm-hmm. all of these things, you know, cost your company time and money. So that you want to consider them on the back end. There are, we've seen countries that, yeah, they don't really have any rules on enforcement. So not a lot of people have complied. If you have really gray rules on what's considered taxable or not, sometimes it's not worth doing that dance um, unless you kind of have all these things set in stone.
1: So if I'm, say I'm located in the U.S. and I'm selling into Europe, you and I were talking about this once. So explain to me to this kid to make sure I understand. Yeah. within the EU it's not there's not like one uniform VAT rate right it's a it's like no. they they're all different right like walk yeah. me through that again because i thought that was fascinating
0: yeah so the the EU is cool like now it's post-brexit so it doesn't <laughs> include UK um but they have a one consolidated filing which is awesome but then each country has their own tax rate and they range most of them are right around 20 but You can get up to 25. The Netherlands, maybe. Um, Germany is 19. They all kind of range right around there. Um, So it's one submission that you file, but each sale is taxed based on the rate of the country where the buyer is located.
1: So if I'm in the U.S. and somebody from Germany, you know, signs up for my SaaS business, then on that sale, I'm required to charge the... Germany VAT rate and then remit that to them and file Yeah. and then same with the Netherlands, same with France, anywhere in that zone. So what, what am I supposed to do? Like export a, an Excel sheet and then like run like percentages <laughs> and do like a V lookup. Like, how am I supposed to do this?
0: Yeah. I mean, so it, the EU has made it quite easy kind of like you can sign up and register with like one country we use Ireland, most people we, if you're an English speaking country, it's super easy. Ireland we sign up, register, and that's where we file quarterly. but you do have to yeah, like a v lookup or build it into your um in engine what
1: this is this is if I'm doing it myself, yeah. if I'm trying to do it myself, yeah. something like that. Another way to do it would be like to hire an accountant to do this, but that person's just gonna be doing the same thing, right? Just a manual yeah like somehow build like some sort of complex sheet that's going to be changing all the time because these rates change all the time, right? Yeah, the, they
0: don't They don't change a ton. Um, what tends to change more is new countries right now are in the process of new countries are getting up to speed and passing new mm. laws. So more so you see a country not taxing, now taxing versus like huge rate changes. There will be, a, you know, let's say under 10 countries that do a one or two percentage change every year. Adjust for inflation, all that kind of stuff, but you usually see new countries coming online.
1: So you can do those two things. I could do it myself. Yep. I could hire somebody to like try and calculate it all for me, like a local accountant or somebody. Yep. I can ignore it, right? <laughs> and just hope nobody comes after me. Yep. That one seems to be a fairly popular option, <laughs> right, right. actually, in the market. Yep. Um you occasion, i know—you occasionally get called in to like talk to companies about that situation. Like, what what are those conversations like? What do people normally say?
0: I mean, it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do. They look around, they say, "Hey, all of my none of my friends are charging. Like, it doesn't seem like we need to be." So, in that case, it's almost like that's a little bit harder to convince somebody to do something that like you can't produce a tangible result for them right there. I can never promise that you will or won't get audited. Um, What I can promise is that there are things, if you do some small actions now, it will set you up just so much better in the future rather than sitting and doing nothing. Um, And and it's really looking at knowing the business, knowing your footprint, and what risks you kind of want to take on. Like you have to look, do you have the resourcing to be able to build this internally and update rates and whatnot? Or is it just you want to completely outsource it?
1: So another option, obviously, is, an, is a merchant record where you have somebody else on your behalf so that you don't have to worry about any of this and you can just focus on your product. Yep. That's what we do, just to say it. But talk me through that. So let me give you a couple of scenarios. And you you tell me sort of what you, how I can set myself up for success. Say I'm a SaaS company, I could be based anywhere, but I want to get to an exit, right? So I want to get to, to an acquisition, Potentially even an IPO, right? That that might even be an option for me. Like what happens if I've been ignoring taxes all this time? Is that going to come back to bite me if those are the two things that I'm really working toward?
0: Yeah. So I, I did two years on an M&A tax team and I kid you not, nine times out of 10, it was a sales tax issue uh, because we worked on small software companies mm. and routinely like it could break the deal. But I mean, we were seeing million-dollar purchase price adjustments just to accrue for the liability and kind of the non-compliance aspect of it. So 100%, if you're looking for some type of exit or change, and you haven't sat back and looked at your products, do that or hire somebody to do that just so you can get a sense of like, where am I in this whole lineup? Like, am I really under all the thresholds and I don't sell like taxable products? Or Am I growing very rapidly, and this is going to be an issue for me in the near future?
1: A million dollars? It costs me a million dollars if I don't do this right. Oh, like Like, multiple million?
0: Because you got to look
1: many millions. If you're
0: not doing it in one state, you know you're not doing it anywhere. So it can add up. Let's say, and they'll slap on forty percent interest and penalties. It also takes some states take a lot of time to register. With COVID, are we even in COVID? I don't really know, but. For some reason, that's been the excuse for, you know, I've had registrations that take over a year. So just to even start that process, you know, where's your business going to be in a year? Where's your footprint? And what has changed in a year? The easiest way to do it, you give it to a tax professional. Well, if your business isn't in the stage to kind of insource that and bring it in-house and have the knowledge readily available, and you don't want to pay the fees of going to an advisor, which... We use advisors all the time. It's quite costly. The solution is to use a company like FastSpring, um, an MOR, where we gather the information from you and deploy kind of the tax-compliant transactions on your behalf.
1: Yeah. And then, like, and it's then it's me. you who deals with all those emails <laughs> in the background. Yeah. You and your team. Um let me give you. Yeah. Let me give you two more real quick. So let's say I'm more of like a lifestyle entrepreneur, and I've got a SaaS business, and I and I and yeah. it's growing, right? Hyper growth is not my goal. Exit is not my goal. Like I just wanted to like make good money, pay my employees, have a consistent stream of, of that gives me the lifestyle that I want to live. What are the things if I if yeah. I'm ignoring taxes? Am I going to get sucked into like a whole bunch of like time consuming audits that I don't want to have to deal with? Is that yeah, the risk for me? The,
0: the issue with like doing something wrong is just the amount, sheer amount of time it takes to clean it up. If you have a little mess, it, hmm. you know, you can clean it up in a few months. If you have a big, nasty mess, it can take years. So do yourself a favor and kind of look at your business operations and what you sell. And within the next three to five years, where where could you be where's your growth apply a $1000 threshold to the state level and then really look at your sales internationally and come up with a number and then basically use that number like am i willing to live with this know that it's going to you know double every year but if you're willing to kind of sit with that then it's up to you what you want to do
1: this is the this is the potential tax liability that I might be on the hook for is what you're talking about. Okay. So if I'm that person and I have been that person in the past, like the last thing I want is tax headaches, right? Like that's like, I I don't want that kind of stress in my life. Um, let me give you one more. We'll end on this one and then we'll wrap it up, which is, I think, what if I'm a company and I'm, I'm based in, in Asia, for example, And I'm trying to break into the European market or I'm trying to break into the U.S. market. I can see maybe I have like a product that I know has traction in the sort of geographic location where I am. Say say it's Southeast Asia. And I know there are a bunch of people in Germany or in Spain or something like that that would love my product. And I'm in the process of trying to get marketing strategies and partners in, in these different locations. And I want to break into new markets. What do I need to like watch out for when it comes to taxes in that situation?
0: That way, I mean, there's really no threshold selling into the EU. So almost everything is going to be taxable there. Theirs is really based on who you're selling to, your B2B or your B2C. If you're purely B2C, I would say that it's something that you need to have on your checklist before you launch. If you're B2B, if you're only you know selling to businesses who are VAT registered and they're going to do it on their own, you have a little bit more leniency. That case, it's only going to apply in Europe. The way the US does it, they have a different strategy where it's taxable to your end user, both B2B and B2C. So that's why you see their thresholds are a little bit higher. Somebody's only exempt if they have an exempt status, such as a nonprofit, a government agency, or reseller. You tend to get a lot less exempt buyers in the US. So your liability. Racks up more quickly, which there are a little bit higher thresholds there, which is great.
1: So, if I'm looking to break into the US, I might be looking at at an even more, even higher tax liability on a B2B situation. Yeah. So, I need to think about marketing, I need to think about partnerships, I need to think about how to break in, but I also need to think about how to do the financial piece of it in a way that's not going to come back that caused me a bunch of problems in three years.
0: And just in my experience being at FastSpring is that the customers will tell you. Like, I mean, if you're just blatantly, like, not charging, you do get a few that say that. But more often than not, they're not going to tell you because less money for them. When if you're doing it incorrectly, though, or they think, like, you should be collecting. I see, like, emails sometimes that are like, hey, did you see these new rules that passed? Like, why are you not collecting this? And I give them you know, a a 14 paragraph response of like my analysis, they're like, Oh, whoa, cool. I'm glad you have it on. Yeah. Glad you have it handled.
1: Right. Which is quite literally what we do on behalf of sellers who use our, who use our products. So um, that's a great use case for that. I think let's see if we can wrap it up. What from this conversation, what are like one or two things that you really want people to know about taxes when it comes to selling SaaS?
0: Um, just that I, it's not as scary, like as it sounds, there are a lot of rules and a lot of countries and a lot of rates, but it really just takes either doing it yourself. If, if you're interested in that or partnering with somebody like FastSpring to make your life so much easier right now, because tax is one of those things that only in hindsight will you be like, ah, crap. Um, <laughs> because once, you know, it's done or once the year is closed, there's nothing that you can do. To change anything, you can only change going forward.
1: You can't go back and recollect on those transactions that happened last year.
0: I mean, technically you could, but you'd probably spend more time figuring that out than just actually paying.
1: We might have you back on if we get a bunch of questions from people. So uh, maybe we'll talk to you again. Thanks.
0: Awesome. Bye.